Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I get to go uh, fly back to the homeland, England, um, to where my, a lot of my family and ancestors are from, and uh, I'm very excited to have on the call Dr. Jane ha- Baz, sorry. <laughs> I just even asked how to say it correctly beforehand, and then I just messed it up. But welcome to the podcast, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. So um, you're a graduate of AECC in 1989, right? And you are um, practicing in Stafford, England, and you have uh, Penkridge is your town. That's my pra- where my practice is, yeah. That's where your practice is. That's cool. Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's funny, I just talked a little bit on our pre-call uh, talking about how, you know, we're, we're really trying to um, get representation in Canada for like either vitalistic chiropractors or neurologically focused chiropractors or supplementation-based chiropractors. And it's just amazing some of the kickback that we get and some of the little bit of the haters from the, from the pain-based camp. And so I was just putting a call out saying, hey, is there anybody who is really in the pain-based model and has switched over to like a subluxation-based model? And I'm just really interested in understanding their perspective. And so. Um, so uh, Jane had reached out to me, and so I said, "That's great. Let's get you interviewed." She's a shifter, and uh, and so like I said, I haven't really had a time, had a chance to really get to meet her really well. So this is going to be how how we get to know your your story. So, um, like I do, I like to do with all my uh, guests is just find out what even got you into chiropractic in the first place. Um, I I'm I'm Danish, and I grew up in Denmark. And um, my my mother was a nurse, and um, it's very well known in Denmark. It was on the National Health Service. And I came home from school when I was twelve, and my mother says, "Don't worry, don't worry, I'm okay." And I found her face down on the floor in a very strange position with her coat on, and she had a really bad back. So. Um, I said, well, this is no good. So I phoned up the GP and he came to the house and gave her painkillers, anti-inflammatories and diazepam. And it made no difference whatsoever. So my mother went to the local chiropractor who became her god and she never stopped talking about him. So that was, yeah, I know. But that was my first introduction. And I I knew I I was going to be a healer, but I didn't know what. But uh, studying abroad and using my English language and having a good living and having autonomy in my work just attracted me to it. So that's how it came. It wasn't a made made sort of altruistic thing, but it was just like I thought, oh, this would be cool. Yeah. (laughs) And so so did that decision to be chiropractor, did it just kind of gradually happen over time then? It wasn't like a like a defining moment where you decided? Um. No, it was it was gradually over a period of time, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't know much about it apart from I would be working for myself, make good money, and yeah, that sounded it all sounded like something I wanted to do. And just starting abroad was so exciting. I remember the 
I remember the tune that was number one that year when I was down in the library. I went to and to study where I was going. I went to um, Parma first uh, in, in Iowa because oh. the Danish Chiropractic Association wanted um, a pre-chiropractic course. So I went to Scott Community College in Devonport. No way! That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Those but, are my old stomping grounds. <laughs> oh, really? I went and to. I, I didn't go to Scott College, but I went to. I think we studied in their library. I think I studied in their oh, library. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. uh, but yeah, I just went to Palmer. Okay, but the, and I wanted to stay there, but at the time, which was in 1984, the the dollar was so expensive; it was only half the price to study in the UK. So I came to the ACC. Hmm. Interesting. So, so uh, was that when you went to Palmer uh, to go to Scott? Was that the first uh, time that you left home? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. That was cool. It was. Oh, I loved it there. Yeah. On Brady Brady Street comes back to me in the student union in the background. We had some great parties there. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. <laughs> so how many years did you stay in Davenport to do your undergrad? Uh, no, I, I only went there for four months. Okay. Yeah, so you just took like one semester sort of thing. Yeah, and it was so expensive. I was burning through the, the Danish money and my mother was having an nervous breakdown. So <laughs> I had to go back home. Yeah. yeah so, and, and how did you pick um, AECC for, uh, for a school? There was the only one in Europe. Right. So it, there was, no, that's a lie. There was one in France, but it was illegal and it was hiding in a shoe shop. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's like a, how sec it was. a secret handshake or a secret knock <laughs> to get in the door. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Man, we're just a bunch of outlaws, eh? That's chiropractors. It's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Ooh. tell tell me a little bit about your uh, time uh, going to um, to school to chiropractic school. Right. Okay. It was um, I I enjoyed it very much, but um, I had a massive fear of failure when I graduated my debt was the same as the average size house in the UK so it's a massive debt and I was it was I, I got a, a loan from my bank because I told the bank manager I was going to sell eels in the harbour and he was so impressed with that so I got a loan without collateral and then wow. yeah and the other part of the loan was uh, my mother was a guarantor so 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 when i started at the acc we were 100 people and only 60 of us graduated so i was petrified i was going to fail Ooh. so I, I think i have a lot of fear from back then so well and yeah. you think because you still because even if you fail you still have the loan because that would even be worse because you'd have the debt <laughs> exactly. and you wouldn't be a chiropractor exactly yeah yeah. Massive. So it scared the pants off you, but obviously it worked to get you through temporarily. It did. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting as well is that naively at the time, I thought that getting my degree was the destination. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden you realize you have to like, then it's just started, right? Once you get your, uh, once you get your diploma and, and at the time, did you have to write board exams and stuff too at that? Uh, I actually took my American board exams because that was, again, a re rec uh, requisite of the Danish Chiropractic Association, but I've, I've never used them. Mm -hmm. So at the time, no, not in the UK. 
and there'd just been um, a cardiovascular accident in Denmark, so there were no jobs. So um, I ended up staying in the UK. Oh, really? And never okay. left. And you never left. So tell me a little bit about that. You graduate. Uh, yeah. And your fear can, well, it, I know it gets stuck in your nervous system for the rest of your life, but you, temporarily the fear is gone because you have your diploma. Now, what, what did Absolutely. you do coming out of school? Uh, I had a, a, a really busy mechanistic job, probably the best in my year. And I, the first day in practice, I saw 33 patients, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so, so I, 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 it was a really good job. And unfortunately, being young, well, relatively young, I was 27 at the time, I developed an amazing sense of entitlement because when I had that job for four years, I saw on an average 10 new patients a week. So I thought, well, you just sit here. I'm a professional. It's all coming to me. So you're, uh, you kind of got a little bit maybe uh, lazy, like kind of, you just kind of thought it was going to Well, be it was certainly a shock when I started my own practice because then I realized that was definitely not the case, that people weren't just going to come and see me. And What's really interesting is that I've always been vitalistic. In my dissertation, I was, I was studying the autonomic nervous system. That was my literature review. And I always, in student clinic, gave diagnosis with neurology, whereas everybody did multifidus or stupid joint, and I never got it. So I, but, but what's really interesting is that 30 years ago in the UK, there wasn't an outlet for being vitalistic and it, it wasn't a conscious thing. So, you know, in the early days, it was certainly about survival. Yep. And, but I, I did feel that there's gotta be more out there. And uh, I remember two years into um, to practice, I started doing lots of SOT, which temporarily sort of satisfied my otherness, which was vitalism. But I ended up doing lots of cranial work and working with dentists and it required half an hour in darkened rooms and it just didn't suit my personality. So I, I stopped that too. So yeah, I had lots of years with frustration and, and then I had fear of the regulators, of the media, of my peers, of everybody. You know, mm. I was entrenched in fear and frustration lots of frustration and I, I just I didn't know how to get an outlet for it well and so that's kind of like so you kind of had the calling inside right yeah. but but you, yeah. and again I don't know why but well I guess it's been like the human condition where um, when mass groups of people want to control everybody they use shame and and fear tactics and all that kind of stuff to control people's thoughts so it, it's almost like um when a practice member comes in and they know there's probably something more in their life but they just yeah they just don't yeah. know how to get it so yeah um tell me a little bit about at the beginning so that, again we, we we might have people out there that are just starting practice and, and we'll talk a little bit about a little bit about mechanics first and then we'll talk about mindset later so when you go from the first four years in practice where you're just kind of getting new people no problem you don't have to do anything we'll just talk business-wise um, when you opened your practice, what kind of things did you do uh, to get new people when you realized you just can't put your shingle up and they all just come? Um, I, I advertised and, um, and yeah, it, 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 um, it didn't work very well. And I had a, a couple of years where 
I didn't see a lot of patients, maybe 40 patients a week. And it was, um, but before that and after that, I've always seen maybe 80 to 100 a week, which is typical for a mechanistic chiropractor, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Did you do talks or anything like that or get out in the community uh, at all? I did, a, I did a talk if I was asked to. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say that it hasn't been until of late becoming vitalistic that I have found my voice. Mm. And I do health talks now in clinic, but I still don't want to go out. I'm an introvert. I, I don't want to do that. You know? what's, your, what's your personality? Uh, well, uh, from the vitality shift, I'm, I'm, um, I'm alpha and a little and dolphin. Yeah. And I've got no ant in me, so structure doesn't. <laughs> and the structure doesn't work at all. But you, but you prefer to kind of be like you're good. You're so you're better one on one with people, and you feel more yeah. comfortable. And then just one to many, yeah, it's sort of similar to me, where I'm kind of I'm like I'm a lot more confident just one on one. Um, yeah. Because like you yeah. like the connection, you do you like connecting with. Yeah, people. absolutely. Yeah. But saying that, I I am. I, I am finding my voice and you have to do it. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but now, um, I mean, apart from those years when I first started my uh, practice, um, I've never had to look for it now. So it's always been easy, but now when I'm vitalistic and I'm going open room, you know, I will look at ways to grow, but I will do in-house talks and, yeah. I will do my civic duty if I'm asked, but it's not my thing to go out and, you know, <laughs> no one's kicking my ass, so I'm not doing it. <laughs> you need a little butt kicking, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's, let's go back into that mindset. So, um, when you were, um, you know, in that mechanistic mindset or pain-based mindset and you were practicing at first and you knew there was something more, um, did you know of chiropractors that were more like either vitalistic or subluxation based? Did you, did you hear of them or know of them? Well, I think I probably had a, a sort of a, a disdain for people who were American and high hard selling, yep. but it, and, and a, a frisson of an interest, but that was all really, it was, it, it wasn't really until um, 2014 when you know, Facebook is amazing, isn't it? What a, what, a, what a media to get everything out there. I thought, you know, and I saw things like what's tick, what's talk. I'd never heard of vitalism. It was like a totally new language. Mm -hmm. I'd never even heard of it. You know? So, yeah. So, and that's, that's so interesting because it's, 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 uh, it's interesting that you kind of had that internal um, drive of, did you, did you kind of know that their chiropractor had more benefits than just pain in those early days? Totally. totally. I mean, even as a mechanistic chiropractor, you see miracles. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, but, and, and, and I had it, and I think I was in my comfort zone for so long that it wasn't until I got a tipping point that I, I, I did something about it because you know, I, I was making enough money and I had lovely connections with people. But I, yeah, I was very frustrated because I just, yeah, very frustrated. I, I didn't have the language to, or the knowledge to, to, to do it any differently. I mean, philosophy when I went to ACC was one hour a week and it was like a time where you did nothing. It wasn't, it doesn't, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. know. It, 
Now, now tell me a little bit about the journey of kind of, of discovering a little bit more about the benefits of chiropractic and, and kind of how that kind of unfolded and did it unfold pretty fast or did it just kind of, was there a few steps along the way? Um, there's a couple of steps, uh, about 12 years ago, I got divorced and I lost my job and I had three quarters of a million interest only loan of 5%. Oof. And I, yeah. And then the banking crisis happened. So I was, I, I was opening up my clinic and my, where I'm now. And I thought, well, I'm going to do things differently. I wanted to be less clinical. I want to, um, to engage in people in a loving way. And I ended up with a couple of coaches who on hindsight weren't vitalistic. One was very much just about practice management and the other one was about financials. So, so for, for the next sort of, um, how long, for the next 10 years, it was just about survival, paying off my debt, you know, looking after my kids and, and surviving in practice. So I didn't have um, the privilege of pondering over these things. You know, I was, I was in a, a state of alert, sort of fight and flight. Right, in the reptilian brain, full blast, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But then in, in 2014, when the position statement came out from the colleges, you know, the European colleges about uh, open room vitalism and high volume practices, and I was just something in me, I just thought, I can't have educators and political or chiropractic politicians decide the trajectory of our profession. And I just felt really strongly about it. And that's really when I started to get involved in, in vitalism on Facebook. And I somehow got involved in some arguments and made some posts and Mark Hodgson reached out to me saying, well, why don't you come to Cairo Europe? And I says, yeah, great. But I didn't for three years. <laughs> but I kind of, you know, started to form friendships with a few vitalists. And um, I was going to say, and yeah, so, 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 so then I eventually got to Cairo Europe in 2017, April, two, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I had a great time, lots of partying, lots of drinking. Yeah, it was cool. But, you know, and, and it certainly gave me a boost. But um, that was about it. But then in um, the day before my second car in Europe in uh, October 17, I get this reactivated patient in. And he, um, he, he didn't even want pain relief. He just wanted to be good enough so he could go to work. And he'd been doing that a few times over a five year period. And I know from my file that I tried to talk to him about the benefit of the innate intelligence and tried to explain the subluxation. And he sat down, he crossed his legs, he crossed his arms and cocked his head. And I felt he was saying, okay, just get me on the table, crack my back so I can get out of here. Right. And that's what I did. And then afterwards, I thought, I can never, ever, ever, ever do this again. So, so the next day, I'm sitting on the plane. We're flying to Cairo, Europe, me and my CAs. And I knew one of the cabin crew, and they were plying us with free champagne. Nice. And my, <laughs> yeah, my staff were giggling and happy and excited. And I sat there thinking, I can't do this anymore. I need to retire. And Really? Thought, You're going to quit? 
Yeah, I was at that time I was 55 and I paid off my debt and I I can reti- I could retire and I yeah. just thought fuck it, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was really really frustrated. But anyway, so I got to college Europe and then I thought no, I'm going to coach. I'm going to really come out as a vitalist. So <laughs> so that that because you were just open because you basically it's almost like you surrendered. I, I did. I did. And, and then you... I was never, ever, ever going back to being a mechanistic chiropractor ever again. It was just my tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so when you went, uh, was it just the whole weekend? Um, or, or was there certain um, things that you remember about that Cairo Europe that when, you're, uh, when, you're, when your wall was down, yeah. your seeds got through? Well, what happened was that I just knew I had to be coached. I just, I knew, and I, I've just looked at the email preparing for this, and I just said to Mark, I, I want to be coached by you, but I need to be coached by you. Yeah. So, um, and he didn't answer me. So, you know, it, I, I had to go, he, he probably didn't trust me, right? Because so some people go, do a good talk, right? But you want to see if they're going to yeah, walk yeah, the walk, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, he, I think he wanted to, to see if I was just saying it in the, you know, in the love of the weekend. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> I ended up uh, coaching with him, which, you know, has sort of helped with my self-limiting beliefs, giving me systems and giving me a tribe. But what was really interesting was that while I coach, I still couldn't communicate and I was so frustrated. I didn't have the language. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had discovered Brandy on Facebook and I and looked at her and I thought, who is this woman? And it was just amazing because she's so eloquent. And, you know, I've, I devour every single of her posts because it's just amazing. So that's really helped me with my, you know, it stopped my frustration because I can actually explain it now, which is amazing. And then obviously in the vitality ship, you get measurables, you know, because yeah. when you first become a... Um, you know, I've been, I've been struggling with the subluxation thing for probably 10 years. Yeah. So, so when you get there, you, you, you want measurables, don't you? And, and obviously, I've, I've got that through, you know, uh, uh, things like Middlemeyer, HRV and Postipro and all those things. So, so, so it's made me a lot happier, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I'm at ease now because I'm doing what I was meant to do. And I can I can effectively communicate it, and I have much better connections with people. Yeah, and I find that was even at the beginning of my practice too. The frustration is when you have something in your head that you know people can benefit from, but it doesn't feel like you can get it across to them. You're just like yeah. you'd be like a you'd be like a baby or something who's like wants something but they can't communicate, and then they just like cry or yell or something. <laughs> no, it's it's a terrible twos. Terrible twos. There it's a go. terrible twos. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a question. Are you in your terrible twos as a chiropractor? No. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah. w- what are some of the biggest changes that, that you've made actually in practice then? So like you said that you're considering going open plan. Like uh, tell me a little bit about, about how you kind of – did you do a lot of um, like soft tissue work before or like kind of what and, – and then you kind of went to more toward, towards uh, focusing on the adjustment or how did that transfer as far as your mechanics in your office? Um, so, um, I, I will say that my new patient exam is probably better now because I do more tests and I, 
I try and actually get to people to actually find out what what their goal is and what it, they're really concerned about because it's really the pain. Right. And um, I used to, when I adjusted people, I would spend five minutes wringing my hands, talking about the pain every single visit. Then I would adjust them and then I would put on a thumper, which is a massage, or I would tape or I would do acupuncture or, you know, you name it. And I don't do any of that now. I, um, I set it up from the start so that they know exactly what to expect. And I, I get them in. Sometimes I hug them. Sometimes I greet them. And sometimes I just say hi and I adjust them and they go on their way. And until you own that, you can't do that. But when you know the adjustment is enough, they know it too. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting. Did you see some difference in your practice members or patients when you started to like really focus on the adjustment? Like, was there some cool stories that you started to notice? Like when you started focusing on the chiropractic adjustment? Um, I, I have one and that was a guy that um, I'd, he, he was uh, early thirties. He had been diagnosed with uh, osteoarthritis of his lumbar facet joints. Yeah. And uh, he had been on full painkillers for a few years and he was now pain-free and no painkillers and still doing a physical job. And he just said, Jane, why don't you use the thumper anymore? And I said, well, the thumper is a piece of equipment anyone can use, whereas the power of the adjustment is what got you out of pain and got you off the painkillers. But I, I will say that in the early days of making the shift, it was it was very difficult to the point where I almost wanted to run away and just start from scratch somewhere else because I had people I'd seen for 20 years mm-hmm. and and some of them, they they got it, but they were so attached to their pain, which I had actually enabled over the years that they couldn't make the shift. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride to say the least. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, I always say, well, it's just like... Um... In my, in my book, The Underdog Curse, when I talk about not only just in practice, just in life, but when you decide to change, uh, there are some challenges because you have a lot of old agreements, right? And so, yeah. so yeah. Your, your options with the old agreements, because we've got to honor them, like even for us, like we always talk about the red, the red line people. Those yeah, people. Yeah. They've been practice members of mine for like 15, 20 years and we got to do a big red line and they take up a big 15 minute slot because I created that. Um, you know, whatever, 12, 13, 15 years ago. And, and so you have a couple options. You either honor the old agreement just with them. Yeah. You either, uh, you try to sit them down and renegotiate the agreement, I know. which I is know. tough. That's why those either honoring or renegotiating are so tough. That's why it feels like it'd be nicer just to like run away. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I do it in two ways. I mean, I still have people that come in every three months who've been doing that for decades right. and as long as they uh, are happy, I'm, I'm happy. I, I do obviously bring it into conversation or if something comes up and then they change. But if they haven't been in for six months, they will have to come in for a health talk before I even take them on. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's a percentage of them who just hang up when we say that. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is if you um, – if your tolerance is, is if it's bothering you that you have these old agreements, again, the other option is to end it. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. That's yeah. like even just in relationships, when you learn about personal development, sometimes there's certain relationships that have to like end or be seen less frequent because it's just, it's not salvageable. <laughs> well, you just put up new boundaries. And, um, and what's really interesting is that when we've had people who have questioned it and uh, we say to them, well, listen, we have a list here of people who will meet your expectations. Yep. And they then turn around to, say, to you and say, oh, are you affiliated with them? And you say, no. And they're so shocked because you're letting them go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it feels yeah. better too. It's like, there's nothing worse than holding on. And this is, this is in life general for in period, mm. holding mm. on to relationships that just aren't really working, but you're just holding on to them. And it's, and it's, cause we'll talk about this in a second with burnout and stuff. Uh, but just that depleting of your life force. Totally, totally. Totally. Right? And then the ironic thing is we got to realize that that depleting of the life force of someone who's not really matched for your practice depletes the good energy that you could have for the people that are perfect that you're seeing that you appreciate. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Crazy. So, um, tell me a little bit about, uh, cause you, so you've been practicing for a while and, and has there been times where you, we'll talk a little bit about self-care. So has there been times where you've got burnt out and maybe give us an example of when you got burnt out in practice and then some of the things that you, you, you did to kind of rebuild or get back on track? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm laughing because, um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of burnout. <laughs> You're like, which uh, one? <laughs> Pull out the bigger yeah, list. <laughs> And I have usually just fueled it with red wine, you know? <laughs> There's yeah. one coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think actually now when I'm vitalistic, I, I work fewer hours and I take more time out to do yoga, get in nature, walk the dog, and um, meditate. And I'm a lot calmer, I'm a lot happier, and I have more to give. And... To be honest, to be a single mother for a long time and having a vast amount of debt, feeling really stuck, it didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Right. You know, that would have been, that would have been a, a nice thing. But for me, it was just about survival. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I struggled for a long time, but, but I don't anymore, not more than, you know, well, you know, we all do sometimes. We all struggle. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I have I have great balance now. So, um, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> now, and I always like to ask, it's so funny because I always ask the uh, Terminator question, um, where do they zip back in time? And it's funny because me and Bradley just watched that show again here just last weekend. And so if you were able to fly back in time and talk to yourself when you're probably in your, in your mid-20s, maybe in chiropractic school, and or even even younger and you could give yourself maybe like some motherly advice to yourself mm -hmm. um what kind of advice would you give your younger self um i would i would tell people to not have a fancy car i would want them to spend all the time on personal development really get to know what you are and you know because we that's a journey we all go on but really to find out what makes you tick, mm -hmm. tick. And, <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also really know what it is you want to do in practice and, and, and don't necessarily go for the best job. Just go and see lots of different people. And I would also say, go where you really want to practice. Don't go where you think it's a great idea to practice. Go where you really want to go and live. 
But what I would say is that, and also have a tribe of like-minded people mm-hmm. and just engage with chiropractors all the times because lots of us have been in the wilderness for decades all on our own. And do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. So it's, it's a lot about, you know, get yourself a local tribe, lots of personal development and yeah, lots of, and, and know what your chiropractic philosophy is. Mm-hmm. That would be my advice. Yeah. Well, and again, it's, I guess it's challenging. Like it's nice because you got Facebook and the internet now, but back, back mm-hmm. when, even when I graduated too, like you didn't have that. So sometimes you don't yeah. even know what that was. Right. So, exactly. so, so that's yeah. the nice thing now is we have podcasts and stuff. So hopefully, because we got mm-hmm. quite a few uh, students listening to the podcast or people just started practice. So that's uh, that's wonderful advice. So in closing, I just like you to, I'd like to leave the floor for you for a, a couple minutes and just say like, there's chiropractors all around the world listening and, and what kind of parting words of wisdom or inspiration or just your parting thoughts you'd like to leave everybody with? Um, what I would like to say is that for the majority of chiropractors, whether vitalist or mechanist, I think there's a two millimeter gap which is about fear and need of external validation. And I wish people would just own up that and then really practice how they're meant to be, whether it's vitalistic or mechanistic, but drop the fear and drop the need for external validation. Mm -hmm. Which is like... (laughs) <laughs> that could be like a whole course or a lifetime to learn how to do, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't it, it seems like, uh, you know, being, being shamed or ousted from the tribe or something like that is usually, I think back in the history books has been the biggest, um, fear that everybody has. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I'm just going to ask one more question because I just, okay. my podcast will do whatever we want. Right. But, um, <laughs> What, what do you think were the, the top things that you did to be able to do that? Because again, as a, as a lab or someone who's really, um, influenced by their external environment what is a step that you did in the past to help you to be more listening to your inside voice rather than just what everybody's saying on the outside um i think that uh, self-esteem and financials are in my mind intrinsically linked so get your finances sorted out so you don't have a victim story about what you need to do Mm -hmm. because if you are abundant in self-esteem and in your financial then it's much easier to not have any fear. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I know how you said your first coach wasn't really necessarily vitalistic, but they were more business and financial, yeah. which is cool. Cause I think it's kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You need shelter and, and you need to have food to be Absolutely. able to and feed your children and bring them to school. And if you don't have that, like it's hard for you to, well, then you're in the stress response. You're not using your frontal lobe. So you're not really coming from purpose. So, uh, so I think that's some, some pretty Mm -hmm. cool stuff. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. And for all the listeners out there, we really appreciate you. Um, uh, hope you join with us next week and, uh, listen to the next episode of the Vitality Shift podcast. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.